Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Chad, and you are joining us today for Chapter 3 of The Tale. Evan is unfortunately not feeling well, so I am going to be reading you all my own chapter. Typically in the uh, this new podcast series that we're doing, he writes a chapter, I read it, then I write a responding chapter, and he reads it, which I have done but he is not feeling very well, so I'm going to read my own chapter because the show must go on and the tale, the tale, must continue. If you have not listened to the first two chapters, first one written by me, second one by Evan, um, I would definitely recommend going back. They're not very long. Each one's like 8 to 11 minutes episode. They're entitled The Tale, Chapter 1, The Tale, Chapter 2. In our episode list, uh, I would definitely Go back and listen to those ones first and then come back and listen to this one here or else you might be confused as to what's happening and why it's happening and all the things because you're starting on chapter three. Without further ado, thank you so much for hanging out and listening to the tale. Chapter three. Len's heart pounded as he ventured deeper into the forest. With fear or excitement, he wasn't certain as he knew that the hinterlands held its share of dangers beyond the mythical mushrooms he sought. As he ventured further from the beaten path, the woods became denser, and the silence enveloped him like a thick fog. He could barely hear the distant chirping of crickets, and the only company he had was the rustling of leaves underfoot. The cold wind whispered ominous secrets, and Len's skin crawled with unease. His instincts urged him to turn back, but the thought of the power and the immense wealth he could secure with these mushrooms boistered his resolve. Len brushed off his unease, telling himself that he was the master of the forest, for tonight he wielded the power of the Elkinids. Though he was becoming ever more aware that power soon was not power now. As he continued through the tangle, he couldn't shake the sensation that eyes were upon him. The darkness seemed to loom larger, closing in. His previous bluster stolen by the wind, and in its wake only the raised hairs on the back of his neck remained. Something was wrong. He could feel the closeness of it. Was that the wind disturbing the branches he heard, or something else? He stopped, listening intently. The sound stopped with him, though the wind remained. It seemed as if all the forest's sounds stopped as well. Just moments ago he was surrounded by the lively chatter of the late summer forest, friendly sounds of nocturnal animals hurrying to prepare for the coming winter all about him. Now, not even the crickets dared to sing their song. He swallowed, and crept on, wondering which was louder, the thumping of his heart or the loud crunch that accompanied each foot as it met the forest floor. The dry leaves seemed to mock him as he stepped. Crunch. You don't belong. Crunch. You are a trespasser, crunch, a thief in the night, crunch. Expecting the forest to fill your belly with its secrets, crunch. But it is the forest whose belly will be filled tonight. He stopped and forced out a long breath, feeling foolish for letting his imagination get the better of him. The forest is not alive, and it is certainly not saying menacing crunch. He looked at his feet, praying that they had mutinied and continued to march on despite him stopping. Full panic bloomed in his chest, realizing that they were still his to command, and he had indeed stopped before that last crunch. He had heard of fight or flight before this moment, but as branches tore at his face, he had to admit he did not 
truly understand the concept until this very moment. He would have laughed if he had not been about to vomit from fear. As he realized now his legs had mutinied, his whole body had in fact turned against him in its attempt to distance itself from that unsourced crunch. A glance over his shoulder and a flash of reflected moonlight revealed something huge. It flowed through the thick forest like liquid shadow, a silvery behemoth of death bearing down upon him. He felt a momentary state of relief at his death being so quick and painless as his freed soul rose into the sky. Understanding then hit a second before the forest floor. He had not gone up. The ground had gone down. He had run off a cliff. It was surprisingly soft and spongy beneath him, soft enough to keep him extremely lucid while being eaten alive, but not so soft as to spare his mutinous legs, one of them twisted at a grotesque angle beneath his prone body after crashing many feet to the forest floor. An involuntary whimper escaped his lips as he heard, no, felt, a growl so deep it vibrated the ground. Even the earth trembled in fear of this creature, made from quicksilver and shadow. It was a pity he wouldn't be able to say goodbye to his sister, his mind filling with all the things he wanted to teach her about life and the forest that he would never get the chance to. These thoughts were fleeting as his mind stilled. Regret and memory, even they fled before the beast Len saw emerge from the shadows. A wolf larger than he had ever seen, had ever thought could be seen, materialized from the night, its fur a mixture of shadow and silver, eyes glowing like embers shifting from red to a hotter blue. Death had come. Len thought it a cruel irony that fear was the only emotion brave enough to face this beast. There was a truth and an ancient wisdom hidden there that Len would not have the time to unearth, sadly. Fear was not alone, Len realized, as its equally brave companion, Pain, had not forsaken him either. Its bold presence making itself known, shouting from his leg as his body lamely tried to crawl away from its approaching doom. Never one to be outshouted, fear bravely reinforced its stand and released his bladder. Len was vaguely aware that only feeling the spreading warmth on one leg meant something was very wrong with his body, but a larger part of him quickly discarded the thought in favor of the greater destruction quickly approaching. The creature was beautiful, stunningly so, pure rippling muscle and instinct, shadow made flesh, over a thousand pounds of claw and fang, and intelligence in its eyes struck Len. He saw a savage pity deep within those smoldering slits. How small and pathetic he must look to this lord of the forest, a demigod forged from legend and night, as old as the forest and as elusive as a moonbeam, roots went as deep as the foundation of mountains, and equally as unshakable. This creature had no earthly superior. It paid homage only to the moon, to whom it gave its nightly howling tribute. Len was almost honored to be its snack, before honor too fled from its approach, and he was accompanied once again only by fear and pain his companions until the end. Another involuntary sob fought its way free from his throat, as a mere three feet from him the wolf bared its fangs, each as long as a sword, once again that throaty growl making the earth tremble beneath him. Get on with it then, Len said after fighting his way through the pain, finding his courage at last. The beast's muscles tensed, the very air around him seeming to anticipate his lunge and condense. Len closed his eyes and prayed for a quick death. But death never came. 
Len opened one terrified eye a tiny bit, quickly followed by the other, and then they both grew to their full size and beyond, shocked at what he now saw. Between him and the wolf was his elderly, crotchety neighbor Akora, brandishing a small hatchet. A strange sound issued from her mouth like wind, or the sound leaves would make if they could talk. The tension had gone from the beast's body, and there appeared to be some sort of exchange occurring between the two. Akora slowly lowered to her knees and placed a hand, fingers splayed on the ground. From his angle behind the woman, he saw the hatchet rise in her other hand and then thump into the ground, cleanly severing two of her fingers. She gingerly picked them up and offered them to the wolf. He seemed to find this amusing, but had now entirely relaxed. For the third time that night, Len almost lost his supper, this time not from fear or from pain, but disgust as the creature took the offered fingers and with a few snaps like kindling being splintered for a fire, casually chewed and swallowed them. He turned his great back and began to glide away. Len was stunned at how fast the giant creature disappeared into the dappled shadows. Right before he disappeared entirely, he turned his head back and seemed to motion meaningfully at the forest floor, drawing Akora's attention down. Len's eyes went with hers, and the reason for the shifting red-to-blue eyes of the wolf became apparent. So terrified had he been that he hadn't noticed how odd it was that he had been able to see this entire area of the forest. He could clearly see the ground. The entire glade around them was in fact illuminated. A gasp caught in his throat. He realized he was laying upon a vast flush of elkinids, hundreds, thousands of them, all pulsing with a bioluminescent blue light. The soft light emitted by the mushrooms painted the surroundings with an otherworldly luminescence, creating an ethereal atmosphere. Disturbed by his fall, their millions of shimmering spores hung like tiny stars thick in the air around them. The splendor and awe was quickly interrupted by thoughts of his status of soon-to-be snack, but when he looked about the clearing, he could see not a trace of the great wolf, lord of the forest. You are an astoundingly stupid young man, Akora said though only half paying attention as she was counting on her fingers. Only then did she seem to notice the still oozing stumps of the two missing ones before harumphing and began using her toes, all the while mumbling to herself. Len couldn't catch what she was saying, only hearing her say something about a waxing gibbous. Seeming to come to some conclusion, her eyes got big before her brows drew together as she swiveled on Len, turning her full attention to him and continued. But we are both amazingly lucky. Moonfang doesn't allow many to look upon his splendor and live. She cast her eyes about them, the blue pulsing mushrooms making her seem to glow, so thick with the spores in the air about them. You and I are about to have a long conversation. Right now, casting a disdainful glance at Len's broken, twisted body, our fates are now intertwined, and our lives are about to become very, very interesting. At the top of a high tower many leagues away, Zalazar Zithrin, first mage of the Order of Enlightened, squinted as he peered over the rims of his glasses. A map was spread out before him. The map had many tiny dots of blue, slowly moving about it, denoting the most powerful creatures of the realm, a device which had allowed Zalazar to get away with much over his long and eventful life. But this night his attention was on a small and typically boring corner of it, he had watched as a light appeared, one so bright, it was outshone by only a very few on his map. 
After watching for a short while, it dimmed and then disappeared entirely. Odd. About to grab his notebook to record this mystery, he noticed something else. Dim at first, but steadily growing to be quite bright, and more alarmingly still were continuing to steadily get brighter, were two new points, appearing at the same location. They were not nearly as bright as the one that had come and gone, but still, no trifling matter. No trifling matter at all, he thought, concern and interest looking at home on his ambitious face as he regarded them. He rang a small bell, and an acolyte appeared by his side. Without taking his eyes from the map, he said, Summon the Bloodhane. I have an errand for them to run. And that concludes Chapter 3 of the tale. Thanks for hanging out with me today, everybody. I hope you all enjoyed. I will wish you all a happy reading for Evan's sake. And of course, I will peace out of here with a bye, everybody.